Hello and welcome back to the Comic Literate Podcast, the podcast that does deep dives into the best of comic books, graphic novels, mangas, penny dreadfuls, web comics, newspaper comics, essentially any single frame illustrations where the characters use bubbles to talk or think. I'm your host, the soon to be known as Comic Stan, and with me as always is my voluble co-host, it's Jamie. Wondering when voluble was going to come up. You, you, I've got my list and you've got yours and when we match them up we'll have like a, a bingo round or something yeah how does bingo work i don't know i've never played that's it. a bingo it's <laughs> inglorious bastards my only <laughs> reference that's when you know you're true cinephile it's like bingo is in inglorious bastards yeah that's that that game from inglorious bastards yeah i only recognize uh basketball from space jam that's my only reference to that i didn't think you liked space jam space jam one was awesome I mean, I was a kid when I saw it, so I probably got a distorted. I probably got a distorted opinion of it. And as we all know, Space Jam Two was a failure of a cash grab. Yeah, didn't it have um? LeBron James. Yes, it? it had everyone. Everyone who Warner Brothers owns the rights to, plus LeBron James and Don Cheadle for some reason. Don Cheadle's awesome. He's he's a laugh. He's a laugh. Right. Uh, this is the worst way to start off an episode, which I said up top, we're going to try and fit into a tight hour just to one, just to see if we can. Two, we're both quite busy this week. So we're trying to yeah. trying to see if we can get one in very quickly. Um, so very quick, brief start off. Sad news. Normally wouldn't want to do it this quickly, but it's also a creator who I don't I don't think either of us know much about or from, but just felt uh, enough to mention anyway. But and I'm, unfortunately, I'm going to butcher his name, which I hate doing, but it's a manga creator. Um, by the way, this will be two months after he's passed, so everyone will be <laughs> a bit more okay with it by then. But we're still mentioning it now. Uh, manga creator Leiji or Leiji uh, Matsumoto passed away at 85. He was, I think, most well-known for us because he did the Daft Punk videos. Or some of He did some Daft Punk oh, videos. Oh, that's cool. The animation for that. Did the Daft Punk videos most notably, or uh, other notable works, which unfortunately I don't recognize, but um, I would like to check out someday, are Space Pirate Captain Harlock, Galaxy Express 999, and Queen Emeraldus, or Emeralds. Um, By all accounts, he was very popular. A lot of the comments I saw said that people loved his work, read them in high school, that kind of stuff. So, you know, shame. Talk about him on Manga Week. Exactly. Manga (laughs) Week, Manga Month. That'll be the. Should we do a Manga Month? We'll do a Manga Month at some point for sure, yeah. Um, So. Tight hour, let's go. The reason we're doing a small episode this week is because, unfortunately, this is arguably worse news for those in the know of of this series. We had a bit of a major fuck problem, up. fuck yeah. up for lack of a better word, last last week's episode. <laughs> and we it's the first episode in eight episodes. Nine, uh, I think. Eight or nine. First first episode ever of this series in its short run that we did not mention Alan Moore. I know, he just didn't get a look in, did he? And there was a perfect opportunity to mention him. It was. It could have been the Alan Moore episode. It, I, I literally, before <laughs> the episode, I made a mental note. I was like, <laughs> we were talking about, for anyone who didn't listen, we were talking about public domain, and it's about uh, a superhero creator getting screwed out of the rights to the superhero character they wrote the comic for. Yeah. Which is literally Alan Moore's like core concept as a person. It's like, his character arc over the past thirty years, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. So it was only afterwards you mentioned we haven't we didn't talk about Alan Moore, and I went, Oh, it was the perfect time. And so today we are dedicating yet another full episode to Alan Moore. He's get this is his first full episode. Is it? Yeah, we haven't done any Alan Moore titles uh, as of yet. Um 
But what's also interesting is Alan Moore is probably one of the most talked. Is the League of Gentlemen not? Oh, of course. Yeah, we did do League of Gentlemen. Yeah. All right. So this is his second full episode. Yeah, this is the second Alan Moore. Yes. And because most of his works being so prolific and acclaimed, most of them have already been talked to death already. Yeah. So we thought we'd go a bit of a slightly different route and what we're going to be doing rather than your your typical run of the mill watchman or your from hell or your uh, swamp thing, all those other ones. We are doing his short issue run for Superman that released back in 1980. Five. From the neon-coloured 1980s comes Alan Moore's Superman. Boy, is it a colourful time oh, for comics. It's a, it's a colourful comic as well. It's the most colours I've ever seen Batman in, except for that one time he had the multicolour suit to fight a supervillain that had multicolour powers. I was having a bad day when I opened this this comic book, and I kind of went, oh my god. like <laughs> My my eyes! <laughs> yeah, it's so brightly coloured, but also... Like a bit faded and a bit stilted because it's from the 80s. But also, it's a very strange dichotomy. It is an interesting read for only being used to modern comics. I've read very few older comics. Like, oldest I probably go to is maybe like the 90s. Yeah. And this is at least like maybe mid 90s. So this is a decade before what I'm used to in yeah. terms of comics. So it was an interesting experience uh, to go that way. So uh, the details of the comic. Now, what we were going to do, but we didn't in the end was uh what do you want to say what we were going to do i was going to get chat gbt to um write me a description of superman for somebody who hasn't seen or heard of superman but it wanted my phone number and i wasn't comfortable giving the ai my personal details just yet i mean it's definitely already got them like it knows your It knows your blood type and stool sample easily already. I give but... those so freely though, Ryan. Well, yeah, and the phone number's different because you don't want to. <laughs> you don't have to block people or change your number. That's the exactly, wor- that'd be the yeah. worst thing. So. You can have some of my shit. Like... Exactly. So what I do have, as our usual run, I have the uh, Wikipedia description of the comic. So you know, you're the same old. It's a little interesting because it's about the specific issue rather than. It's not just like. This is Superman. Yeah. Like it's just what specifically happens in the story. So the other the other reason that we're doing this one in particular is we did mention on a previous podcast. Famously, Alan Moore hates having his names attached his name attached to um, adaptations of his works. He hates them all. Um, he hates the people who make them, Marvel, DC, what have you. Um, and he wants nothing to do with them to the point where he threatened to sue them if he yeah. put if they put his name on them. This, as we mentioned in the previous episode, is the one adaptation that he allowed his name to be used for. There's an adaptation of this. We, yeah, we've talked about this. You need to start listening back to the episodes. <laughs> so, I need to start listening to the podcast, Ryan. Oh, yeah, exactly. By the way, we, we do a podcast. We release a podcast. This actually uh, this goes out to the public now. Oh, I just thought these fuzzy things in front of me were something fun to talk at. Yeah, I'm more like a, a carer than a friend, I, th- I like to think. <laughs> You haven't changed my chamber pot on this visit. Uh, <laughs> well, speaking of chamber pots, let's go to Wikipedia. That was, that was, that was mean. I love Wikipedia. Oh, that's so good. It was, was a good segue. In. I love Wikipedia. But so Alan Moore allowed this adaptation because it was um, it's an episode of a cartoon, Justice League, maybe Justice League Unlimited, one of those. Yeah. So apparently the story goes that Alan Moore um, 
wrote this comic back in 85 and then they were making the cartoon justice league slash justice league unlimited cartoon justice league cartoon um years later like mid 2000s i think um and they wanted to they thought hey well let's do the story so they went to alan moore and they said hey we're doing your story from superman we're doing a couple justice league episodes do you want have any input or you know say something you know give us any ideas or whatnot and he was like yeah yeah i'll help her out and i'll you know give you some advice or whatever and they talked out kind of talked about like what bits to remove because the the tv show episodes the cartoon they have like far less in them than this yeah which we'll get into but basically he helped out a bit and then he said you know what you can put my name on if you want because i think they were just like yeah we're just making a cartoon for kids we're not making a film and trying to make millions of dollars and you know move merch and fuck people over we're i just- suppose it's in the spirit of more likely the way he probably felt when he was writing this which is i'm just doing a cool comic for kids you know possibly possibly i mean to to delve into the mind of one sir alan moore who i've just given the knighthood to is in itself a a journey into discovery you know by the way alan if you come on the podcast i have a sword and we will give you the first comic literate title Mm. and we will name you sir comet sir alan moore of the comic literate podcast the night of the folding table <laughs> which is a joke if you know, it's a good joke if you know that we record on a folded table then it's funny only funny if you know that yeah we record on my drop leaf table which is very handy and i highly recommend it. i'm getting one myself handy soon. dandy drop leaf table man they're great exactly so this w- superman issue from it's technically a superman annual so every once in a while they'll be doing like the annuals if for those who don't know i assume you don't no so for those who don't know, annuals are, they'll be doing the run of comics, right? So they'll be doing like Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, whatever. The, the mm. normal comic will be going. And then once a year, I think maybe towards the end of the year, I'm not sure if that's for always Christmas. the case. Might, maybe, but they're not always Christmas themed. But yeah. the annual is like, hey, here's like a quick five issues worth of story. It's, it's separate from the rest of the story. It's just, you know, this. Yeah, my experience of annuals is as those big hardback books that come out around Christmas. Like... They're not canon, they're just there to... Well, so a lot of them are canon, but it's just that they they slot into whatever the normal story is. So wherever the story's going on, it's like, yeah. hey, ignore that for a second. And sometimes canonically, they'll ignore it. Yeah. Like Spider-Man says he's like fighting bloody uh, the Kingpin or Doc Ock, whatever. And then the beginning of the annual, he'll be like mid-story with whatever this character is. And then the, the beginning of the annual, he's like... Oh, it's nice to take a break from this ongoing feud I have with Doc Ock. Oh, I'm going to go off and do this thing for a bit. And he just <laughs> has a little side adventure. Then he comes back it's like, oh yeah, that Doc Ock thing. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. So It's it, a little Christmas side quest. But it's not always Christmas. The annuals themselves aren't all holiday themed. They're just like a break from the normal yeah. story for some reason. But they release them in November. Everything I'm saying is my experience of annuals. Yeah. Like I could... I could have completely missed the mark on what they do, their function, what they're for. <laughs> this is just the ones I've read, but... This is an annual, so it is yeah. a self-contained story, which I think is very obvious from from reading it. Yeah. It's only about two issues worth, maybe three issues. It's about 40-ish pages, but... Yeah, it's not long. Not at all. So the story is, or the blurb of the story is... So the story is called For the Man Who Has Everything, which I think is an apt title for the story. Yeah, isn't it just? And it's a comic book a story by writer Alan Moore and artist Dave Gibbons, First published in Superman Annual 11 in 1985, it contains the first appearance of the Black Mercy, a magical extraterrestrial plant-like organism which, upon symbiotically attaching itself to its victims, 
incapacitates them while causing them to hallucinate living out their greatest fantasy. Now, that's an interesting part. By the way, we're just spoiling the whole thing. If uh, Up top, I, I was surprised by how good it was. For someone who's not that into older comics, I was surprised how good and it was engaging... Right, wasn't it? Yeah. I was surprised how engaging the story was. And this was someone who saw a version of it in the Justice League or the cartoon show already. I'm going to be honest with you. Sure. Um, there were times where I got a little bit lost with names. Yeah, the Kryptonian names are hard oh, if you don't know them. Yeah, yeah not Scooby, mate. Yeah, no. Like, I, I still, I'm not 100% sure who the woman in hospital was. Uh, it was his cousin, if that makes a difference at all. I mean, you could you could infer it was part of his family. Was she the same cousin that became Supergirl? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, Ka- Kara Zorel, yeah. Oh, well, that, that, that just slots her into a context now. I like her. She's it cool. does, but I think even then she wasn't that fleshed out a character so yeah. i mean here she was used as a plot device to <laughs> to depress the main character so yeah. you know classic 80s classic more in a way but um i think that's an appropriate description of more isn't it like swamp thing i think uh league of gentlemen i mean we went in depth on that and hmm. his treatment of nina murray and whether it was intentional or not i mean he murdered a bunch of prostitutes and from hell that as well yes i mean <laughs> if you're gonna write a bloody jack if you're gonna write a jack the ripper comic <laughs> <laughs> I the, thought it was funny. The new up to date, and I say this as a lefty, as lefty as anyone will say, but the updated woke version of Jack the Ripper is like, and nobody died. <laughs> the up to date version of Jack the Ripper, where they all respect that sex work is, se- is sex workers work and pay the prostitutes promptly. Yes, and also no one dies because and no one dies. Yeah, I'm gonna write the shit out of that. Like, <laughs> you I'm write up it for it. You you write it. I mean, I'll, I'll read it. I'll read the hell of it. I mean, it might be the only one, but I'll read it. <laughs> So, yeah, spoilers for it. It's a great one. Go out and read it if you can. Um, but I thought what's interesting is um, what I found interesting as a difference to the Justice League cartoon was the point of the plant. The point of the plant is living out the person's greatest fantasy. Now, they say this explicitly in the um, story as well. Yeah. And yet, Superman does not really live out his fantasy all, all the way. So he lives the setting of. You know, basically, he he fantasized. Oh, he's in a dreamlike state where mm. he is back on Krypton. It never exploded, and he's just grown up there, right? And then it just goes all nuts, doesn't it? It just goes well, completely haywire. I think, and I understand it. I think it makes sense to me, in as much as he has this incredibly fantastical life as Superman on Earth. As Superman on Earth, he has this incredibly fantastical life. And so maybe his biggest fantasy would just be being back on Krypton and leading a normal family life with all of the trials and tribulations that come with that. So the thing is, what you've described there is basically exactly what happens in the Justice League episode. So he's literally just normal dad to normal family on Krypton. And it's like, hey, mum and dad, you're still alive and everything. And that's exactly it. And then the problem if I, I mean, it's been years since I've seen this cartoon. Should have watched it for now, but didn't have time. But as I remember, the problem becomes um, accepting if it's real or not. That becomes the mm. the crux of the re, of the fantasy. Was is this real? I feel like it's not kind of thing. In this, his dad basically becomes a right wing extremist. Well, this is what I was about to say. Yeah, his his idealized version of his life includes space clansmen. Exactly. And that's so weird. Like, I don't know if Alan was trying to make a point, uh, maybe to what he thinks Krypton would have been if it didn't explode. 
but then is he missing his own point of a f- idealized fantasy? Is he making a comment on the fact that Superman's characterization as the all-American corn-fed hero also makes him a bit racist? But he doesn't like any of the stuff that's happening. Like, it, you, yeah, no, he's not. He's not all into it, is he? No, it could be a metaphor. But he himself is like, Dad, how do you become a right wing extremist <laughs> political party? And then, and then he's go, he's driving somewhere, isn't he? And he gets interrupted by his dad having like a space Hitler rally. Yes. It's very weird. It is very weird and t- very in keeping with like Alan Moore's version of a superhero. Like, hey, Alan Moore, we need you to write Superman. I'm going to make his dad a Nazi. What? <laughs> That's my that's my only re- <laughs> that's my only requirement. That's you let me have that and I'll run wild with it. And this, so and this is the eighties, and so I suppose American Euroscepticism was at a fairly prominent point at that point. And you know this stuff was all only forty years old. It was within living memory, and so it. Well, actually, no. Let's be let's be clear here. He wasn't drawing on Nazism. He was drawing on the Klansmen. And yeah. so it was it was a very kind of American We should point out so the reason that we're referring to the the clan specifically in this is because there's a specific panel where Superman is driving and he in, drives into what turns out to be his dad's uh right wing extremist yeah. political rally and they're all wearing red robes with upside down swords they are dressed as clans they're dressed as so obviously the clan it's to the point where you're like is it did they have the clan on krypton i'm almost confident that they use the word clan at Mm. some point to describe it they definitely talk about immigrants from another part of the planet of yeah fucking a it's very glue clots clansy and it, it's such a jump for for what uh, for a comic that i enjoyed it's such a jump from and he how we talked about it, he's like oh yeah the science council kicked me out because i got this one prediction wrong. i said the earth was gonna explode and then it didn't and they were like oh gal and now i'm right-wing extremist like what like what? <laughs> You missed a few steps there. It was quite funny because there was a point where Superman said, oh, I I really sometimes think you wish that Krypton had exploded. And it's like, ah, I did. Ah." (laughs) And that's, for me, I don't know if this is, someone will probably disagree that this is not comparable, but this to me is like if Neil deGrasse Tyson predicted the end of the world. Neil deGrasse Tyson used to be such a sweet man. Yeah, he used to. It, it's gone really badly for him, hasn't it? But like when he was nice or when he was <laughs> when he was beloved, if he was like the world's gonna explode and then it didn't, he's like, I'm a Nazi now. Like what yeah. happened between those steps? I feel like Neil deGrasse Tyson has become the meme of himself. Yeah, I think so. After he started hosting Cosmos, which was a good show, but I think he just got a bit full of himself. Yeah. Bloody smart people and their understanding science. Ooh, you know. He's not a great science communicator as far as I'm concerned. I think he's a better communicator than most. I think, uh, like, in terms of scientists, like, explaining ideas, he does have a skill for, like, articulating it well to the to the layman. If I could Photoshop Hank Green over the top of him in everything he does, I'd be really happy. I mean, I, I'm i just going to take your word that Hank Green is probably better at uh, articulating science. You though. don't know who Hank Green is, I do know you? who he is, but I don't know enough about him to okay. understand the reference. Of- very good science. But I, I infer, I infer from, uh, from what you've said. Um, one thing I found very interesting before we get into like a more specifics is the time this was released in terms of comics. So 
I kind of had a look to be like, what what was comics like when this was being released? Yeah. What month was it released in? Uh, I actually don't know. I don't have the month it was released, but because it's in annual, so it's released over months. Okay. But I don't know which yeah, yeah, particular. Yeah. I want vindication. What there was a December. <laughs> I want there was Krypton a to explode. You know what? It probably was Christmas because they took. Oh no, it was birthday, wasn't it? That was his birthday. They took presents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, Superman's birthday, February 29th. Which for us, that's quite soon till when we're. So this is even more appropriate oh for my us God. to record us. Happy the, birthday, Mr. Superman! The episode won't release probably till April. But for yeah. us recording, we know exactly when. We we know we're celebrating Superman's birthday near enough, close or yeah. enough. But when this comic was released, I thought, what were comics like at the time? Because to look at one comic isn't indicative of like yeah, what comics everything. are exactly. So I had a look and I looked up comics from like the eighties and like eighties, nineteen eighty to nineteen eighty three, like. One or two things come out, but not anything major. Um, Akira came out in 82. And that's a big manga comic. Then 1984, you've got Marvel Superhero Secret Wars, which is the big first crossover yeah. event for Marvel. You've got Spider-Man's Black Costume, which was a big thing for him because of Secret Wars. The bloody premiere of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the beginning of Dragon Ball. That was all in 84, right? Big year. Yeah. Then, 85, you've got the year this came out, Crisis on Infinite Earths, the DC big crossover title, the full one that gets repeated every bloody year now. And then, 86, you've got uh, another Superman one, Man of Steel, which is a um, well-known Superman title. The Batman The Dark Knight Returns. That's a big one, isn't it? One of the most seminal, most well-known Batman titles of all time. Didn't The Killing Joke come out around this time as Uh, well? A bit later, like late late 90s, I think. Okay. And then, to top it off in 86, Watchmen. So, more finished this, and he was like, right, I've got my Watchmen thing, I'm (laughs) going to knock that out. So, it was a credible couple of years for comics. Isn't it? That's so telling. Like, this just, just clicked something in my brain. Where the setting of this really put me in mind of the last act or the last part of Watchmen. When they go to that snowy base. Mm, yeah. I mean, that snowy base, I think, was like a reference to the um, to the Fortress of Solitude. Like it was like a, but it also was like a evil base in the snow, which is quite a common thing in like James Bond even. So yeah. It, it's, it's a trope. Think, it's a trope, yeah. But it's, it definitely reminisced. And the fact there was a tentacle alien monster as well. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, more literally wrote that year later. But he's he probably like, writing. He's probably writing it alongside this. Like, yeah, and Watchmen like, probably took. You reckon ages. I can use that snow base idea again, and no one will notice. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's like hey, I recognize that snow base. Hey, I recognize <laughs> From that the Superman alien. annual. Yeah, yeah that Superman annual. One. My nan bought me for Christmas. For Christmas. I mean, well, <laughs> if you can look up, if you can find it, go ahead. Right. We're going to keep talking. I'm going to do yeah, it. of course. I've upset Ryan, but it's fine. I'm having fun. If you prove it's December, fantastic. Well, oh. I, my, my, my prediction is November because December's too late for Christmas gift giving. Okay. And bear in mind, the gift giving that happens in the title is it's Superman's birthday and Batman and Wonder Woman and Robin, for some reason, rock up. And also the Fortress of Solitude is meant to be like top of the North Pole. Um, Wonder Woman is in her classic Wonder Woman gear the 80s not a whole lot of it exactly but she's amazonian so i'll excuse like body temperature and stuff like that batman's wearing his all his gear he's probably protected bloody robin is in like uh sleeveless top and pants essentially underwear and he's just like boy it's cold out here it's like mate you should be dying in this weather (laughs) 
but they rock up for Superman's birthday and they bought gifts. Um, one interesting difference uh, to the uh, to the cartoon from the comic yeah. is in the comic, Batman has had um, scientists create a strain of rose that he's called the Krypton, or it's called the something. It's called Krypton or something. He's made him a flower, basically. Um, and Wonder Woman's got him a decoy, a decoy, a replica of the shrunken city of candor yeah which, which was really sweet yeah exactly but in the cartoon they made a great change where they're talking about what presents they got wonder woman and batman are talking as they're approaching what presents they got him and wonder woman's like what do you get him and batman just holds up an envelope and he just goes cash <laughs> but you imagine batman's like it's got to be at least a hundred grand yeah, yeah, yeah it's a lot of money and for superman it's like yeah all right you got all this alien tech and stuff but also you're on a journalist's wage so you know here's a bunch of money because you definitely need it yeah but um yeah it's the rose was a nice touch i thought it was an interesting one especially like at the end when he finds out that the rose base had been crushed in the yeah. battle and he just goes well frankly it's dead <laughs> i just loved that line yeah he says it's dead and then superman goes well frankly that was a good thing well, frankly, it's dear, it's it's dead. So, but yeah, I really enjoyed the comic. I liked the language. It was kind of more nostalgic. The language of Batman reminded me of Adam West Batman, especially when is that, is that what you had in your head? Well, of one particular line, which was when Robin is looking at. I think it's his first time meeting Wonder Woman. So he's like, "Whoa!" And also, Robin just become new Robin. Yeah. So you think like, "Bloody hell, I'm I'm fighting with Batman, and we're gonna fight like criminals and supervillains." Like. By the way, here's an Amazonian and an alien and a fortress in, in the North He Pole. gets on with it, though, doesn't he? Yeah, he's just like, this is what I signed up for. Yeah. But the line from Batman, which made me think of Adam West, is when Robin is first seeing... I know exactly what you're about to say. Think clean thoughts, chum. <laughs> <laughs> I read that in Adam West's voice. Did you? Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Can you do an Adam West? Oh, I, well, we'll see. We'll see. Think clean thoughts, chum. <laughs> that's pretty good. Whatever that that's is. not too bad. Sure um but batman's more talkative in this era and i think the stoic silent hero was not a trope yet or it was maybe in action films but not in comics i don't know 80s action films where you say they were stoic and did not very talkative in 80s action films they were a bit quippy weren't they yeah they all had catchphrases and 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 batman's quite quippy and i think they're all a bit quippy in this aren't they yeah yeah batman's quite talkative um wonder woman's fun yeah, she's just, like, getting on with it. She's, again, animal writing a capable female character who's just like, I'm just getting on with it. I'm yeah. fighting the bad guy. I'm doing whatever needs to be done. There's that scene at the end where they hug, and Batman's like, we should do this more often, and Wonder Woman goes, yeah, a bit, bit predictable. I'm like, oh, that's so good. She doesn't care. Yeah. She's not into it. I liked Alan Moore's language that he used for Krypton stuff. So he's yeah. obviously just made up a bunch <laughs> of stuff. And some of it's quite good in terms of, like, Make, getting the core of meaning of a word and I like changing that they it. call the car a floater the, yeah that was good i like the birthday was first day which yeah. it's not that far but it's just a clever like oh yeah that that makes sense and it's the core concept obviously but then in that same panel that i noticed that it was oh don't worry the row butlers will get that later <laughs> i was like oh you found that one in a bit come on <laughs> robot butlers ah fucking ro- row row butlers. butlers that's that's me done for the day i'm done now we have row butlers yeah, but do we we don't call them robotlers. Zum- Zumba is a more interesting name than robotler. I am exclusively going to refer to any kind of Zumba or um, you know the robots that deliver you drinks in restaurants these days. Yeah, 
I'm their Roe Butlers from now on. And someone's going to be like, that's a pretty lazy name. <laughs> like, yeah, did, I'll be like, didn't you go, didn't blame you go, Alan Moore. Didn't you get a degree in literature? The best you come up with Roe Butler. You'd be like, Alan Moore, he, he did it. It was him. <laughs> Twas Mr. Moore. <laughs> to, to Sir Moore, as we've established. <laughs> so the Kryptonians all look ridiculous. And mm. I think that's like a common trope of like, alien world multicolors they're wearing capes they got things out of their necks or whatever it looks like it looks like and hear me out on this a futurama themed party in a gay pub colorful amazing wear that kind of thing that's probably closer like just normal drag i think is closer to krypton yeah man we should do we should host a a Krypton themed drag night. It's just going to be all those circles around the head things that oh, like, like, I love it. Like Saturn's rings, but just around the forehead, that yeah, kind of thing. I live for it. Yeah, the, the, the head circlets are yeah. a thing, aren't they? And they're also like all ripped, so they've all got like yeah. low V necks. So <laughs> Alan Moore correctly predicted V necks, I think. V-neck, I think he did, yeah. V neck sweaters, V neck shirts, all that kind of stuff. Was that a thing in the 80s? I don't think so. No, I feel like that came later. Superman's dad has become a right-wing extremist. That sounds like a hard pivot, but like it's one of the biggest points that we've already addressed, but it's just so weird, isn't I it? I know, it's wild. And it's coming from this like really obvious, spurned, angry place. It's not just like, oh, I've seen some immigrants and I don't like it. Like, no, somebody upset me and now I hate immigrants. And yeah, and it's also, mate, you got your prediction wrong about the world blowing up. You should be chuffed. But that, but also, like, you got it wrong. That's not like a math equation, like, oh, I've got to carry the one. It's like, either the planet blew up or it didn't. It's binary. And you got, yeah. it was such an extreme end of choices, and you got the wrong one. Which means that, in the actual canon, Krypton ended, and Superman's dad... Did you really? call him Superman, like a like it's a surname? Sorry, what? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Carl, Carl Superman. Been doing it for the entire recording. <laughs> that is a running joke and other things. I heard best like it's uh, it's like I'm gonna call Spider Man like it's a surname. So it's like Spider Man. Thank God you're here, Spider Man. And Batman. Batman. Yeah, Wonder Woman. No, it doesn't work there. But su- Superman. 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 <laughs> it's like an angry. Um, it's like an angry police captain. Superman. <laughs> Mr. Superman's dad yes. was clearly felt incredibly vindicated when Krypton ended in the actual canon. I mean, if yeah, if I got that, I mean, because that's the thing. No one believed him then either. So mm. in the actual canon, he jettisoned. So that's another, another thing. He jettisoned his kid in the canon out into a spaceship. He's like, they wreck on it. It's like, oh, there's a planet there. Earth, that's close enough to ours. I'll send you there. I've worked this all out. But basically, he blasts his kid into space. In this one, he was... He was dead set on the planet exploding, but not quite enough to jettison his kid. Yeah, he's a real arsehole, isn't he? Oh, yeah, he's definitely an arsehole. And again, it's just, it comes back, I keep coming back to this point, but it's like, you get locked into a fantasy. So, and I think the story's really great in that respect. Like, you can't beat Superman, but what if you trick him into a fantasy where he's, all his dreams come true, and yeah. he doesn't want to leave? Or leaving is as... As the um, bad guy, the antagonist of the issue, and I'm just trying... I want to get his name right, because his is a name that's like... Yeah. If you get it wrong, you might say something. So his name is Mongol. It's M-O-N-G-U-L. Yeah, no, it can only be pronounced that way, unfortunately. Yeah. and to be careful. So Mongol, um, he you know, was smart to like, hey, if I put Superman in this thing, it'll be difficult for him to get out because he has to give up his 
hopes and dreams, essentially. His biggest fantasy. Going back to Mongol for a minute, mm. is he... I assumed he would be a superhero villain that you'd be familiar with, or would yeah. did Alan Moore make him up just for this? I don't think he was made up just for this. Uh, Superman recognised him. The others yeah. didn't. I think he was an existing character. Okay. Because the thing about Moore is he does like using existing characters. He wanted to use existing characters for Watchmen originally. And you can tell which characters, yeah, which ones he? are which. <laughs> but um, yeah, so Mongol, I think he was an existing one. I, I think he was a commonly used one for obviously, he's like, in terms of like strength, he's like dark side, um, dark side doomsday level. Like he can take Superman on physically. Yeah. To the point where it could, like... I Alan don't Moore know just... what Dark Side Doomsday level means. Okay, so Dark Side is the big Justice League enemy, like the big bad of the entire Justice League. Right. And Doomsday is the one who killed Superman. So, oh, yeah, because I suppose you have to have a fairly powerful villain for them to be able to take Superman on. And to justify the other Justice League people even being there, because mm. surely most threats Superman could, like, laser eye them. Well, or make the other little Superman come out of his hand to do stuff. For I him. think, luck. Thank God, we're past that point. He's not. He's not I got the super right eating. back there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can find those. You can find those <laughs> easily. I think I was. I was literally on tender hooks, being like, "Is he about to do some ridiculous power out of nowhere?" It's yeah. Like, nope. It's just super strength, heat vision, flying, brilliant, super hearing, brilliant. Um, yeah, it's Mongol was able to take him on um, fight for fight, and it literally describes it where they are fifty-fifty. They're completely locked into you know battling each other and it could have gone either way but um but he was a very well-written character i thought as one who has tricked because he was he's someone who can take superman on physically knows that it's not a guarantee so he tricks him with this present that latches on and puts Superman in the state and it's a smart thing put someone in their fantasy they don't want to leave yeah why is Superman's fantasy his dad becoming a racist? Like, well, I was about to say, there's something going on in Superman's psyche where his idealized version of his life has space Nazis. And not just that, but just like his family falling apart almost. He's got his, yeah. his mum's dead. He's got a strained relationship with his dad. You could argue, this was my kind of headcanon, that the fantasy is intentionally flawed to be more believable. So if everything was perfect in this specific iteration someone would more likely be like, no, this is too good to be true, so it must be. Or do you think it's just that because Superman lost everything, he wants his family life to be... He he just wants his family to be alive in whatever fallible form that would take. But his brain still had to pick a form, and that's the odd thing as well. <laughs> yeah. It's like... like think there's other things like maybe they had a bit of financial problems or maybe <laughs> someone's got a drug addiction it's like nope dad's a nazi that's the only thing that's the only thing it could be it's the only thing that could go wrong here exactly so it just it seemed to me like a really weird choice but i really did enjoy mongol as a as a character i thought he was just going to be a quick like oh i thought it's going to get superman out of the way and ugh, now he's back and ruined my plans or whatever i thought he's very eloquent very um well spoken he had a line which i thought was one of my favorite lines i've ever heard from an antagonist in a comic. Oh my. And it was, he's Superman's incapacitated. He's talking to Wonder Woman about Batman. He says, I must, be, I'm mad living. He basically says, like, I don't know your customs. I don't know what Earth is like. I just knew Superman is here and I just wanted to take over. Um, I don't know what your age and gender discriminations are here. So I feel like I should ask first, uh, which of you would it be polite to kill first? And then Wonder Woman takes a pop at him and he's like, there we go. <laughs> mm. But I thought that was such a good, like, yeah. he's a he's a cat playing with his food. 
and he's he doesn't give a shit. He could have in his mind he could have killed. He doesn't know how strong Wonder Woman is. In his mind, he's already thinks he can kill everyone immediately. Yeah. So he's just playing around, entertaining himself. It feels like Alan Moore, who we've already established, doesn't seem to have bought too strongly into um our traditional ideas about gender. Mm. From the comics that he's written. And especially in the 80s. Yeah, it seems like him taking a bit of a stab at our conception of our mid-1980s conception of gender. And especially because in this instance, the Trinity has always been for a long the Trinity has always been for a long time, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Yeah. So if Superman's if Superman's incapacitated, that and uh, there's a strong uh villain antagonist then naturally wonder woman has to be the one step up because she's the most powerful exactly and i i think he wrote it in a good way where it's like to to address the discrepancies or the um to address the misconceptions about age and gender and everything and for the villain to kind of be the mouthpiece for alan moore for a bit yeah yeah, like, yeah. hey yeah, which yeah. of you are the strongest and also to mongol he's like i don't see gender because we just don't we don't have it yeah, where i'm from exactly. like i don't know what we could have 10 we could have one like who knows where he's from does that make him a they i think he describes himself as a he does but he the, use he him pronouns he might but the problem with the whole alien translation thing is it's like are, are we do they have like um language what's do they have like international do they have um translators where they just understand every alien language but yeah. then it's whatever your version is so if he uses he him it's like in our brain it's like the closest we have the is closest analogy to a pronoun yeah i like the way that um douglas adams dealt with that was that the hitchhiker's guide with the earwig the the little fish mm. pop a little fish in your ear they do a good one of that well, no spoilers but they do a good one of that in ant-man and quantumania yeah but what's interesting is they never bothered with anything like that in, well, to, as far as I know, they didn't bother with anything like that in Guardians of the Galaxy. So in Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy, Peter Quill goes to space, alien races. He's like, yeah, we all speak English. Yeah, they're all just speaking the common tongue. Yeah. And then they come back down to Earth. And I think there might be like a half a second throwaway line. It's like, oh, my translator's on the fritz or something like <laughs> dumb like that. But um, yeah, I enjoyed Mongols uh, as a bad guy uh i thought it was really interesting seeing superman in normal life as himself so well, specifically referring to himself as like kal-el well, and everything. this is the thing because i was really confused because i was expecting them to all be calling him clark kent but i was like mm. oh yeah of course that's his human name is kal-el his is that like accepted as his kryptonian name yeah, 100%. That's fully built into his backstory. That is his original. He's from the house of L, E-L, and his, his full name is Kal-El. Right, because I was baffled, Ryan, because I, I know literally nothing about DC Comics. Yeah, that's I'll fair. I'll be completely honest with you. Not a fucking Scooby. Would you say, I suspect, would you say that it was not necessary to understand the story? or like Would have helped at the start, because there was all these Kryptonian names coming at me firm and fast. What I realise here is that a comic book that was published in this kind of way, by the way, could not find a date of publication on the internet. <laughs> we'll um, just say it was December or November, whenever. No, don't. No, don't give oh, me I'm that. fine. It was January. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. It was January. <laughs> they did it in fucking March. It was an Easter thing. <laughs> um, yeah. Com coming into it, I'm like, obviously somebody who was buying the annual series, like the special run, would be really familiar with Superman and his backstory. Um, and so obviously, like, this is all knowledge that I should have had going into it. And if I, if, if I even had, like, a passing um, experience with Superman, I would have known. 
And like, this will be one of those things that the next time I approach a Superman comic and I see Kal El, I'll be like, oh yeah, that's Superman. Mm, I suppose <laughs> that's Superman. I, su- <laughs> I suppose that in that opening bit, you might not have known that that was Superman because for me, I'm like, oh Kal El, but also if they draw Superman, draw art like comic drawing sometimes like. That could be a guy who looks like Superman. You don't know because they're not detailed enough drawings to distinguish between person. I've always felt that, particularly with Bruce Banner, Clark Kent. Bruce Banner? Bruce Wayne? Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Who's Bruce Banner? The Hulk. Ah, uh, there we go. It's a comic character. Yeah, absolutely. just the wrong one. Yeah, different one. No, Bruce Banner is well interesting to look at. He's green. And he's um, got those purple trousers. Absolutely, yeah. Which he never has on at the start. I mean, sometimes he does. Does it? Yeah, yeah but, in the comics. But he only sometimes has the purple trousers on. But when he becomes the Hulk, he always has the purple trousers on. They actually, I watched a video recently, the, um, you know, like uh, game theory and film theory. Yeah. They recently launched style theory. So it's all right. about clothes. And they did about the Hulk's trousers. And apparently one of the retconned excuses from like the 80s, like early on, was Bruce Banner would go to towns and buy clothes. And what he would do is... He, he would basically seek out purple trousers because they were always on sale because no one else wore them. So he was going to ruin them anyway. Exactly. So we'd buy <laughs> 10 pairs for like much cheaper than like <laughs> denim or black trousers. He's like, what does, what do, what does every clothes shop has that no one buys? Yeah. Purple trousers. So that's, the that next, was the excuse. The next time I have the distinct misfortune of having to go clothes shopping, I'm going to seek out some purple trousers for you. Purple corduroy would be, uh, <laughs> We said we wouldn't go on tangents in this episode. <laughs> well, I think I was a little bit drunk in a pub toilet expressing my newfound love for corduroy to you recently. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, but yeah. Was that, that, that was a thing that happened, wasn't it? Yeah, but I didn't pinpoint. That wasn't such a weird conversation. I was like, oh, Jamie's drunk again. <laughs> I was just like, that's what Jamie talks about. Were we even drinking? Yeah, I think we'd had a we'd had a, we'd had a little a little celebratory one or two, you know. Yeah, we'd had a tipple. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no. Um. I've I've often felt that Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne. Yes. Their character models. Very similar. Well, that, but also distinctly indistinct. Take away the Superman outfit, and Clark Kent could be any character in a comic book. Yes, and I think two things for that. I think one, you can you can already um, you can already predict that. I think that was just the proto American male hero. Yeah, we've talked about that before. Where like John Wayne kind of look short black, short black or dark hair, Caucasian obviously, and just chiseled, strong jaw, that kind of thing. So like Batman, Superman, starting in the late forties, you know, post war was obviously going to be like, a, look, he's the ideal American hero fighting for truth and justice in the American way, you yeah. know, and all that. The other thing that's interesting is canonical that they do look similar. And the reason for that is because they've had issues where Superman has pretended to be Batman. So there's one <laughs> where like Batman's up against like Bane. This was in like the animated series or like right. the Superman anima- uh, animated series, which was the canonical prequels to the justice league series okay so those shows end and they continued the same voice actors kevin conroy who passed and we've talked about him he was famous he was so iconic as the batman um voice because he went from the batman animated series to justice league which is where they did this adaptation but um they did a thing where batman's fighting bane and bane's like like obviously i'm stronger than you i'm gonna kill you even though he never has before and then batman just like gets his arm chucks him over his shoulder and so and bane's like whoa and he's like 
and then later like he just goes to prison and then later it's like oh yeah but i'm su- i'm secretly superman <laughs> i send superman instead ba- of batman batman's busy he asked me to fill in for a, uh, i just <laughs> i just thought i'd fuck with him <laughs> <laughs> They must have had similar jawlines, at least. <laughs> the idea that it's like a substitute teacher situation. All right, your normal superhero's gone, so I'm stepping <laughs> But like, if you're Gotham, and you're like, oh, Jesus, it's Superman. If you're Metropolis, and you're, you're like, fucked. Doomsday. No, no, because then you're like, who's filling in? The guy with no powers. Oh, bloody hell. This is gonna, <laughs> yeah, this is crazy. Yeah. It's like an actual substitute teacher situation where it's Ex- like, we are not getting any work done today. We are months. going mental, <laughs> all of us. <laughs> Doomsday. Here, like, what is it? Someone's written a fake name. It's like Seymour Butts. Like, <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> damn it, who wrote a fake name? I like the idea of the Joker, who's just a bloke who has a predisposition for skullduggery and makeup, suddenly has to fight Superman. Well, they have done things like that. That was a big um, Injustice uh, comic book series, which was actually based on the Mortal Kombat style DC fighting game. But they made a comic book series to co- accompany the story to the game. And literally out of nowhere like a proper cash grab tie-in like let's just get a comic out there because because the, we want to hype this game coming out the comic was amazing like one what, of the best dc comics i've ever read i suppose that ties in with the ongoing conversation that we've been having about marvel and dc which is actually when they don't when when marvel or cdc don't care about a comic that often means it's going to end up turning out really great because whoever gets it gets creative control. I think it gives it more of a chance of being great because yeah. the person, either you give it a good artist and they're less restrained or you give a bad artist and you just get bad artist or writer and you just get the same result. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's crazy how good that comic is. Like, I highly recommend it. Maybe we'll do it one day. But um, so we're getting into the kind of home stretch of the, the home stretch of the story. Because I thought the the ending was really good, really uh, like genuinely exciting. Like I was in, I was really engrossed by the story. Yeah. Even though I know it's all going to turn out fine, so that's a, just a sign of good writing. So again, Alan Moore, one of the greatest comic book writers of all time. We always have to keep saying this because we take the piss so much. But I was genuinely engrossed by a Superman comic, and that's rare for me because I'm not a big Superman fan. I think for me, because of the comics that I'm used to reading, lacked depth. That's fair, and I think I. I have a much more of a tolerance for superhero bullshit. Well, this and this is the thing. I don't think that's a any slight on Alan Moore. I think he did an excellent job of writing a fun adventure story. Right, but that's all. I I didn't beyond the Klansman turning up, which is you know introduced some depth. But beyond that, there wasn't much depth. It was kind of the threat was really quickly identified and dealt with without a whole lot of jeopardy. I suppose compared to the length of comics you're used to reading, so mm. I'm used to reading shorter stories that can happen over like one or two issues. So I'm comparing it to that, whereas you've only, if I'm right in saying, you've only really had like longer arcs, like volumes yeah. of stories. So to you, this would seem less deep because it's just less had less time to get into stuff. That's a theory. It uh, could be a, a lot of things. No, I, I, yeah, I'm inclined to agree. So I had one of the issues, my issues with issues, soon to be YouTube series. That'll uh, that'll drop at some point, twenty twenty six. But um, <laughs> one of my issues with this was Robin. So he's a new Robin. Yeah. It's Tim. It's 
not it's not Tim Drake. It's uh, Jason Todd. Do you know much about the Robins? I know quite a bit about the Robins. Yeah. So, so which Robin is this? This is, is the second Robin? Robin. He's kind of considered one of the worst Robins, but kind of canonically and non-canonically. Didn't the first Robin become Nightwing? Yes, Dick Grayson. E- yep. Good on no you. Things. So this one, he became the Red Hood because he got beaten to death by the Joker with a crowbar. Um, but the worst part about that oh dear. is the head of DC at the time, I think it was head of DC, just didn't like Robin, like hated Robin as a character. Um, not even like this Robin, just Robin in general. So he basically made it so that it it got to a point where Robin was either going to live or die. And he, they did a phone in <laughs> competition. And if you called one number, you voted for him to live. And you yeah. voted another number, you vote to die. And the votes came in to die. Whether that's accurate or not, considering we know the bias of the person holding it, who knows? But yeah, he died and then years later came back as the Red Hood, which was a really good story, like really interesting story. Mm. Um, But he's kind of like the black sheep of the Bat family because he would go on to kill people. Like he would. Batman family. The Batman (laughs) family. It's it's just the Bat family. There's no no Mun. Sorry. I'm sorry. This is going to be every... I mean, thank God they stopped using the man <laughs> suffix in superheroes. It's thank endless, God. endless fun for me. I mean, that's... Hello, Mr. Budman. <laughs> it's Batman, actually. Budman. So, was Robin just like an apprentice program for aspiring heroes? Essentially, yeah. There's a couple of like canonical reasons why he does it. Because like, yeah. it's always like an orphan who... Bruce Wayne obviously sees in them and goes, I, I'm trying to save my own inner child by saving this kid. And DC murdered him. They murdered him. Well, Joker technically, but yes. But he came back later, and now he's back in the Batman family. The Batman family. The Batman family. <laughs> but um, the, it was one interesting excuse, not excuse, but reason the Batman gave yeah. is, and it's kind of touched upon in the latest Batman film, where he um basically doesn't he he starts trying to inspire fear into criminals but he realizes soon on that fear alone is not enough he also needs to inspire hope as well and part of inspiring hope is he wanted to this is in certain iterations Hmm. but he wanted to make sure the right people felt the right way about him so if you were criminal you were scared of him but if you were a good person then you you knew he was someone to look up not look up to yourself but you like you knew Batman was going to save you. Oh, so it's like, that's Bruce, that's Bruce Batman, the guy who takes in orphans. Exactly. Bruce Batman. Yeah. And Bruce Batman. Yes. And, um, but w- what specifically he does is he then sees these uh, orphans every once in a while who a family are killed by crime and then takes them in and makes them Robin. And he says, by fighting alongside a child, that gets across to children who see him and, you know, the newspapers report on stuff. It's like, Oh, he's he's got, you know, a kid himself or he's working with a kid like he's a good person because you don't see monsters with like child sidekicks. But so Jason Todd was the black sheep. He's just started with with Batman. And one thing that irked me and the reason this why I'm picking up that he's just started with him. He keeps calling him Bruce. Oh, he does, doesn't he? And I'm like, come on, mate. Like day one. Like this is like call him Batman. That's a really nice touch. I, I now that I think about it, yeah. Now you've pointed it out, and I, I said I was kind of like, all right, just to excuse him, but it's like, all right, this is probably why he's doing it. But also, if I was Batman, I'd be like, stop using my fucking real name. Yeah, like, for I know these, sake, are, kids. I'm, right? I know these are friends. They know, but you need to get into the habit quick. Do they know? Yeah, yeah. The Superman calls him Bruce. 
And not like in a, well, I heard him just say it. Like he already, him and Wonder Woman already knew. So everyone gets it wrong. Well, yeah, but like if you're Superman and Wonder Woman, like they're, they're like the the top tier levels. They can like do they can, the fuck they, they want, can call each other. They? I'm not saying Robin can't call him Bruce in certain situations, but I'm saying when you're out in the field, like <laughs> let's, let's make it a habit. Come on. Like yeah, yeah. proper, you know, it's, it's, it, it annoyed me of like the, the, nitpicking at details like come on mate get yeah. that sort that out don't have enough respect for batman exactly it's calling him bruce it's like right you're at, like when you're at home call him bruce call him dad call him whatever you want but when you're out in the field you call him batman or mr batman mr one, batman. Of, one of the two <laughs> call him dad or dad but at least like mr mr batman is more more it's more professional formal, isn't it yeah it's like calling your boss by your first name like but he's only just started like fair enough, him, sir yeah or the... or batman or mr executive vice president or whatever yeah i just I, it angered me more than it should if i'm being i didn't totally notice honest. it well there you go exactly this is the superhero nerd of me being yeah. like he really should know by now <laughs> it's day one but still that should have been done in orienteering well, yeah it'd be on the induction orienteering yeah or the induction whatever orienteering orientation that's what i was thinking of <laughs> orienteering is where you go for a walk without a map yeah while being shown the ropes of the of the of the job <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that makes perfect sense exactly and i literally made notes and two of my notes were one robin calling batman bruce just openly idiot and then my next note immediately afterwards is stop calling him bruce <laughs> But then my note after that was, I thought was really interesting, was the uh, when Batman gets the thing on him. Yeah. So I thought it was such a cool moment where Superman's free and he's like, where is he? I'm going to get him. And That was so cool, wasn't cool it? Cool moment, yeah, yeah. When he's standing in posing and in red. It's like Superman angry is the best version of Superman, yeah. easily. But I thought it was cool. Batman's in his thing. Pretty obvious. His parents in the alley. Yeah. They don't get killed. Mr. Wayne kills, or no, like beats the shit out of the robber. I thought what was interesting was the the narration is obviously like describing the emotion of the situation, yeah. and the narration there refers to the robbers carrying a carrying an ugly looking gun. And I thought that's that's Bruce Wayne's internal narration because that was the situation that made guns like un completely unusable for him. Because even if he was like, even if he had a no kill policy he could use like beanbag rounds or whatever he just always hated guns because they just reminded reminded him of when his parents died so i thought that was an interesting little addition as well and then it gets kind of wacky with the fight going on between mongol and superman and you've got robin who's like oh i've got the i got the tentacle off puts it in a bag off, doesn't it off your mr wayne like, <laughs> well no what's i thought that was really cool so wait i got one another complaint another a cool part that i'm gonna credit right okay the complaint is Robin puts on the gauntlets that Mongol. So they they have a smart bit where they realize Mongol used he needed gauntlets to handle the thing yeah. in the first place. So he's like, that'll protect me from the thing, right? They're so <laughs> huge. He's got his little dainty wrists in them, and his hands must fill up one finger. Yeah. But he gets them and immediately like makes a fist is and, able to articulate yeah, yeah and able to hold on to the to the tentacle monster thing but um so he pulls that off and i'm like I, I literally thought of everything that's happened in this story the most unbelievable part is that robin could use those gloves. this is the part where i become unable to suspend my disbelief exactly and they, i imagined it was like a hulk hand situation you know the foam hulk hands you could get in the 90s yeah but they just sit on your fist like he had to like use all the use fingers them. and <laughs> wiggle the fingers and <laughs> Does the pinky work? Like, <laughs> but um, 
it looked to me like any superhero fan will know this is uh, whenever the Infinity Gauntlet gets picked up. I was literally about to say that. And that Infinity Gauntlet is for Thanos. Yeah. But then normal humans will put it on. And it's like, I wield the gauntlet now. It's like, how is that staying on? Yeah. It's like you're wearing your dad's like jacket or something. Yeah. Like it's just like really loose and baggy. But um, but then the smart thing I liked immediately after that is Robert's, he's got the tentacle in the gauntlet. He's running around. <laughs> he's like, what do I do? What do I do? And he goes, I need to put this in something, but what can I put it in? And I generally, at this point, I'm like, I don't know what he's going to do next. Yeah. And then literally one of the gauntlets takes it off, big old interior of the gauntlet, sh- use the other one, shoves it into the glove. And I'm like, brilliant. That is, that is really clever. I like a little clever thing like that yeah. happening. But then a few panels later, he's then holding it again. And you see why, but it's just, it cuts from like, I'm going to do this really smart thing. Put him in. Minute later, I should probably take him out now. I need to, <laughs> <laughs> like, what was the point? Like getting a whole Tupperware tub for like food. And it's like, oh, I'm just going to eat it now anyway. Like, but then um, putting it on Mongol, I thought was was yeah. the the natural ending. Like maybe I can't say for sure because I've seen it. Did you did you clue on to that being the natural ending of this story? Hundred yeah, percent. So it's, it was an obvious like it's happened to Superman, it's happened to Batman. Didn't happen I was to Wonder excited Woman. for what Mongol's like heart's desire was going to be. Like the last third of the comic, I was like, I wonder what he wants. Well, so one thought, one thing I thought was interesting, and this is a rare instant. This is a rare moment where I think I could have written this better than Alan Moore. Knowing Alan, full well, stop listening. Yeah, turn turn off your ear. Just cover your ears for a bit. Sing lullaby or something. For everyone other than Alan Moore, this revelation is going to exist. But we're going to do a cold close just for Alan. So thanks very much for listening, Alan. <laughs> you've, and, been a, um, you've been a sport as always. You've been a sport as always. And we're really excited to have you on. And we'll do brunch sometime. Oh, wouldn't that be cool? Or like a wizard's cafe, if that's a thing. Yeah, we can drink butter beer. Is that a th- that's like a Harry Potter. He'd hate Harry Potter. He's, he's not a Harry Potter fan. Do you, re- do you reckon he doesn't like Harry Potter? I think he, he I think he thinks that's cultural appropriation. Because <laughs> he's a real wizard. And that's yeah, fake he's an shit. actual wizard. Yeah, that fakes you out of it. <laughs> so I thought, I th- this is, I, I acknowledge that I think this is because I'm used to modern writing tropes. Mm. So what I thought was going to happen, and I think would have still made it better, especially for a comic coming out in 85, was if Robin held the thing and then Mongol just immediately killed him with like heat beam or whatever, and then did all the stuff, all the conquering and everything, and then reveals that he had the, the monster attached. And so his heart's desire was to kill Robin in that moment and yeah. then carry on with his life. And it does all that, but it shows him getting the monster attached and then shows all that. And I think if you had just taken out the actual monster attaching to him, you could have had a fun, false ending. There would have been more jeopardy. Yeah, exactly. It would have been like, oh God, he's, he's killed Robin. Oh, no, he died already. What that wouldn't have allowed for is the fun little quippy ending between the trinity so i wouldn't say i wouldn't made it the the proper ending i would have made it like the oh no he's won like he's beat robin and now he's beat superman and now he's conquering earth and then after that that cuts to him unconscious with the thing on him yeah and then you do the ending as normal Mm. but i thought that would have been a cool false like oh my god okay no that was clever like i thought that's what i was expecting so alan (laughs) you can (laughs) listen now (laughs) yeah you can come back now We'll put um, we'll put time codes for him specifically. Yeah, I think you should actually yeah. do that. Um, when you allow the next big cinematic adaptation of this um, masterwork, 
that's how you should end it. And do you know what? We we will you even forego credit just to see it end that way? I mean, he's a he. If nothing else, he sticks to his core beliefs. He rarely deviates the, 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 to the point that we did this comic because of the one time he deviated. So he's probably not going to want his name attached. <laughs> I, if I was a gambling man, I would say he probably is not up for Which it. means that you can have all the credit. Yeah, I'll take the credit. Yeah, based on a story by <laughs> Comic Stan. Like, yes, finally, <laughs> finally I, made it. I ain't made my YouTube videos yet, but I wrote a film. <laughs> Woo! And last little bit, um, I think you'll agree with this. I really liked Superman using his super speed to hide the fact that he'd already received the yeah. gift the Wonder Woman gave him, and I thought that's peak Superman. Yeah, like that's... of the character, like using super speed. Hiding it, be like, oh, I love this. This is great. I've never had this before. Hidden it's in a cupboard. Lovely. Yeah. Nice, nice little ending to it. That and you know the the hug and the this would be predictable. The hug. Oh, the hug, Ryan. The glorious highs. The greatest MMF threesome of all of the DC universe. <laughs> and I mean, a, a crime fighting threesome is what I mean. Get your head out of the gutter. The, MMF. Yeah. Male, male, female. Uh, oh, oh, that's a okay. It's an anthropological term anthropological (laughs) anthropological (laughs) that's also an anthropological (laughs) anthropology anthropology polygamy anyway if there was a superhero who was an anthropologist do you think there'd be anthropon i know you want me to buy on the the moon part but maybe the one that turns into animals or something Animal Man or Beastman? Beastman. Beastman! Beastman. Oh, he'd be Barry Beastman. Yeah, obviously his first name's Barry, because we've only got the one Barry, that's the Flash. That doesn't feel like a Barry. Barry is a human name. You'll be like, he's not very fast, is he? No, have you ever met somebody who's fast called Barry? Never in my life. They've all been quite slow and... Rotund. Rotund, yes. Except for Barry... I thought I knew another Barry. What we're going to find here is we'll be inundated with Wikipedia pages of incredibly sprightly Barrys. I don't mean to like, I'm not trying to pick up on every like missaid word, but you definitely said Wikipedia there. Wikipedia? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's that's how you're supposed to pronounce it. what it is now. From now on, it's Wikipedia. Well, you know that A and the E together? I mean, no, I've never heard anyone else call it that. It's not. No. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Wikipedia... You could have convinced me. I'm pretty sure that Wikipedia is spelt with an E. But Encyclopedia has an A-E, and that A-E is an old English rune that makes an A sound, so technically you should pronounce it Encyclopedia. Well, I'll believe you, but only because I don't know enough to dispute it. I don't know enough about spelling or spelling specific words. I'll give you one Alan Moore point if you are able to correctly identify where I just lifted that entire thing from. Okay. What, where, what, what, title or fiction? TV show. TV show. It's my comfort food classic. Vikings? No. I do know it. I do know it. Um, God we, damn we it. We talk about it on like a bi-weekly basis. Uh, How I Met Your Mother. But that's the one, yeah. 
All right. Well, on that note, um, <laughs> I'm so sorry I've derailed this episode. <laughs> we want like a, we want like a, a hard, just a bit over an hour. Yeah, so we exactly. almost would have come in under an hour if it wasn't for our tangents and our Butman talks and. And we need like to edit out all the Jimmy Savile stuff anyway. So yes, so and I'll the me- and uh, right now editing out this mention of Jimmy Savile. <laughs> no, I, I think we just have an episode with no Jimmy Savile mention, and then I mention this at the end, and they're like, I, "Where did Jamie say Jimmy Savile?" And then they'll go back and listen to it again, and we'll get the extra ad revenue for the for them re-downloading it and listening to it yeah, yeah. i think it's a smart plan uh we'll just do that from now on every episode so thanks very much for listening <laughs> yes thank you on this weirder episode i think it's definitely been odd, it's been an odd day hasn't it we've had a we've had a long old week it's only tuesday but yeah. we've had a long week um and at least we know we can do things like this and i think get a lot out of them still that's the main thing it's been a fun time sometimes we're gonna have to double up on recording and i'm gonna have to double up on editing so it's good to know we can do we it's good to know we can get into the nitty-gritty within an hour so thank you so much for listening. Especially when I cut all the bullshit. Anyway, and that's from both of us. That's from both of us. Thank you so much for listening. I do just cut out your side entirely. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Fucking A. It's just me talking to a wall every episode. I literally, I listen to the recordings and I'm like, was I even... I swear I was in this one. Yeah, like... Oh, you got to take it out of, see, out of episode five. <laughs> then on, you were just gone. We felt we were... Uh, I, I gave all your lines to chat GBT. Oh. To an AI voiceover. sorry son you've been made redundant all right take us home thank you so much for listening um if you want to find ryan at some point he'll make youtube videos under the moniker comic stands exactly i do things i don't feel like promoting myself too much today um so have a wonderful evening and good night email address it's comic literate podcast Comic literate at gmail.com. It's comic literate at gmail.com. I'm only quizzing you because one day you'll recall the information and then you'll have it locked in. Well, you need to make me some flashcards. To be fair, I email you from it every week. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, who is this again? <laughs> oh, pod, you should put podcast in there. I know too many comic literates. <laughs> right. Thank you for listening. Have a good one and bye. Thank you, Alan Moore. Thank you to Alan Moore, as always. Goodbye.